This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And the breaking news today is that Lamar Jackson went to Twitter to let the world know that on March 2nd, he requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens before he was franchise tag, non-exclusive, before free agency started. And he let everybody know that just as Coach Harbaugh was talking to the media, uh, to the media, just as he sat down to talk to everybody at the NFL owners meetings in Arizona, Lamar Jackson made sure they had something to talk about. We have someone to talk about it with us now. Jameson Hensley, uh, you should follow him on Twitter. Does a great job covering uh, the Ravens for us. And Jameson, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, you were there. So uh, we've all heard Harbaugh's reaction, which I think you know did the best he could have. Uh, judging just from being in the room, uh, what did you think of that moment? Uh, I, I, in one word, it was surreal. And... You're kind of sitting there getting ready to, for when Harbaugh comes in to get ready to ask all of your Lamar questions. And we look down at our phone, and you get the notification that Lamar tweeted, and you're like, oh, okay, what, what, what do you have to say? Oh, he, he announced to everybody that he has requested a trade. And, you know, maybe it was coincidence, or maybe he knew Harbaugh was coming into the ballroom at that exact moment. And, you know, John Harbaugh, even before he got to be able to sit down in his chair, that he, he, he was asked about Lamar Jackson and the tweet. And so it, 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 Harbaugh didn't blink. He, talked, he said he didn't know anything about the, the tweet, uh, but he is following along just like everybody else. Uh, I think his, his main point throughout, and, and he was asked 32 Lamar Jackson questions uh, over a 27-minute period. Uh, I think his main point was that he's still optimistic that Lamar Jackson will be his quarterback, uh, but the situation is fluid. And, Jameson, i got to ask you, at any moment watching John Harbaugh in that moment, did you see him, you know, kind of have a look on his face like, oh, man, here we go again? I, it, it, you would think. And especially after, I mean, this is 25 months of negotiations with Lamar Jackson. But I will say, in watching John Harbaugh, he he, he smiled. Uh, he cracked jokes occasionally throughout it. He was very laid back about, it. and and you know, he said it's a very unique situation that you're that he's dealing with. But in his mind, he is still planning the offense around Lamar Jackson. And we, you know, he was asked. Hey, when your franchise quarterback is announcing to the world that he has demanded a trade, uh, is this relationship uh, irrepar- irreparable? And he said no. Uh, he, he still feels like this is all about money. And if they can get the financials to work, everybody will be happy. Now, is Lamar Jackson, does he have somebody working on the inside to know exactly <laughs> when John Harbaugh is going down to sit That's down and talk question. to the media? Somebody on the yeah, inside had to let question. him know that information. We, because as we were sitting there, I mean, you, it, it was perfectly timed as soon as he was walking in. And it wasn't like it, he was scheduled to talk at 8 a.m. and he was sitting there at 8 a.m. He was actually even a little bit late. It was about four minutes late. Uh, so he comes walking in, and then as soon as he walks into that room, Lamar Jackson hit the tweet button. 
That is remarkable. That yeah, great insight by Detective uh, Harry Douglas at this point. Uh, because yeah, for him to be late and still come out, that means somebody in the room was texting uh, Lamar. Hey, by the way, let's go. Uh, so what's yeah. what's the other plan for the Ravens? Like, if this doesn't work out and he refuses to play for Baltimore, have they done any due diligence on the quarterbacks in the draft? What are they going to do? He said they have contingency plans, and you have to have contingency plan. I mean, the only quarterbacks they have on the roster right now uh, is one Tyler Huntley, who is a restricted free agent. Uh, they, they put a tender on him. And the other quarterback is Anthony Brown, uh, who is in his second year. He was an undrafted rookie. So uh, they obviously need to, to upgrade in that position. I, I asked John Harbaugh, I said, uh, even in the backup role, do you want to add another veteran quarterback? And he said, if the option is available, it is something that they would explore. And so you have players out there, kind of like uh, a Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, there are veterans still out there to be had. So if the Ravens feel like this is going to go in a certain direction, uh, they might have to pivot that way. But if a team does offer, get you assign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet, the Ravens have five days to match. If they do not match that offer sheet, they will get two first-round picks as compensation. You would have to think if that's the route this goes down, they would use one of those first-round picks, probably the first-rounder this year, to go after a quarterback. Well, Jamison, I'll tell you, they're going to have to pivot times five because there ain't no way in the hell they can line up with Anthony Brown at quarterback again and think they're <laughs> going to have an opportunity to win anything. Yeah, definitely. And I think they, they, real, they, they realize that. Uh, but at this moment, I mean, you might doubt, and, and you can obviously have some uncertainty about this, but Lamar, uh, John Harbaugh remains confident, and he's repeatedly done so throughout all these two years uh, of, of Lamar Jackson and his contract. He has repeatedly remained confident that Lamar Jackson is the quarterback that he wants to be here, and he believes will still be here in the future. You know what makes me nervous about this whole entire thing is seeing Lamar Jackson – if everything works out and he leaves the Baltimore Ravens, how do the rest of the team moving forward, how do they trust John Harbaugh? How do they trust upper management from your perspective moving forward if if everything goes as planned on Lamar's side? I, I think what the, the Ravens would stress to the team, yeah, obviously it's not a, an ideal situation at all, uh, but they have signed – players to big money contracts and uh the last reported offer to lamar would have made him the second highest paid quarterback in the nfl so it's not like a situation and i think that's kind of played out over the past month or so uh where i think there was a perception that the ravens had lowballed lamar jackson if you look at the the reported contract that they had given him which would have been 133 million at signing and 175 guaranteed uh because of injuries that would have made him the second highest paid quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. So uh, this is kind of this is kind of the situation that the Ravens are dug in on. They have a certain value for for Lamar, and Lamar has uh, he's digging in saying, you know what, Deshaun Watson got this money. I believe I am just as good or better than him. I deserve that type of contract as well. Just walk me through this a little bit, then, Jameson. We're talking to Jameson Hensley on Fitz and Harry. Uh, because in my mind, we keep talking about Lamar. I mean, he's he's cut a little different from, you know, he, he handles his business a little different than a lot of people. We get that at this point. But he's made it clear that he sees his value a certain way. He's made it clear he doesn't want to play for the Ravens. If they can't mm-hmm. get him to walk back his value, 
why is he going to play at all? I know the presumption is why would he walk right. away from another franchise tag, but this the way he's handling business, it, it feels to me like it's making it more obvious he would be willing to walk away. Am I reading something wrong? I think it would be also kind of just maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit here. Uh, you know, right now we don't know if another team has even reached out to Lamar, and I think part of the the, the issue here is that Lamar has not finished the last two seasons because of injury. Now, if you compound that, saying, okay, he's he hasn't finished the last two seasons, and then he's taking another full season off to protest the franchise tag, I don't know if that improves his value. I don't know how that improves his stock. Uh, I think the Ravens are banking on that. If Lamar wants to go elsewhere, he still needs to prove to the other teams that he can play at a high level and, and play – injury-free for a full season, and the only way he can do that is by playing under the tag. Well, the one thing we know is that he made his intent very clear today. Yes. Social media is going to – he did not mince words. We've been asking him to speak. He no. did. Jamison, we appreciate your insight on it. Enjoy what I'm sure is going to be very calm, cool, collected few days in Arizona, just sitting by the pool having a mimosa. I'm sure there's very little work that you have to do at this point. As If we've learned anything with Lamar Jackson, Expect the unexpected. Yeah. Well, J- well, Jameson, we're gonna end like this: tequila on three, tequila on me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Jameson. Uh, obviously, interesting because this—I I can't say this enough. Whatever we think there is precedent for, it doesn't apply to this. Like Lamar's not doing business the way anybody else thinks he should. And to me, what I learned today is that by telling the world he put in a trade request weeks ago and we just found out about it, what that tells me is that nobody knows a damn thing. Nobody knows what Lamar's thinking, what he's doing, what his plan is, because if you can keep a secret in the NFL for three weeks, man, that like the government can't keep a secret for three weeks. Lamar just did. So I think it tells us that none of us have a clue what's next in this, which is what makes it Interesting. In the meantime, what's next for us, the AFC North, one of the best divisions in football? What does Lamar's trade request mean for the rest of the division? And why the refs saved college basketball last night? That's next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm just saying, we hit that one perfectly. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Going to get to Lamar, also going to get to some college basketball. College basketball on Fitz and Harry's brought to you by Wendy's, two for six bucks, the best deal in fast food. By the way, just get you a junior bacon cheeseburger and a Frosty and thank me later. It's the best thing you could possibly eat in any fast food place. Don't at me. I don't want to hear it. All right. Uh, the best we could possibly get to help us break down why it was a perfect call yesterday is Jordan Cornette, ESPN basketball analyst. But before we get to the refs and their absolute perfection in the job that they did, I'm just going to keep trolling this whole thing, Jordan. Uh, before we get to that, I know, you know, everybody knows you're a lifelong diehard Bengals fan. Lamar comes out today and tells the world he demanded a trade on March 2nd from the Ravens. As a Bengals fan, how are you feeling about Baltimore and uh, where this thing stands with Lamar? Hey, hey, look, when we report on it, I'm neutral. But when I'm talking as a fan, I'm ecstatic. Why? Because, look, in competition, 
you always want the opponent to do something that plays to your strength. That's what makes it a bad move from the opponent. As I'm watching one of our rivals in the AFC North uh, approach this, I'm watching them do something that benefits the opposition. Please, Lamar Jackson, go ahead and get out of the AFC North. Make life a little bit easier for a Ravens team that is, albeit poorly, but built this thing around a Lamar Jackson-led offense and watch them rebuild for a few years. I am A-OK with this entire situation. <laughs> and, Jordan, it's, it's crazy to me, though, because when you look at the AFC, right, and if you don't have a quarterback, it's kind of going to be hard for you. I won't say kind of. It will be hard for you to contend with all the quarterbacks. And then you look at the AFC North, you have Deshaun Watson. If he returns to, you know, the form that he was before, you know, all the stuff happened with him and whatnot, if, if he's able to play at a high level, then you have Joe Burrow. Kenny Pickett showed some promise last year. Who are the Baltimore Ravens going to have? Exactly. And for a division that there's a ton of question marks, but still a lot of talent, I almost would say the team I'm most worried about coming into next season, no matter what happens with this Lamar thing, because it feels messy, but assuming he moves on, becomes the Cleveland Browns. With the weapons they're getting, uh, another season for Deshaun to kind of get his his game back to where it is. Uh, There's so many pieces up there. Cleveland is the biggest concern for my Cincinnati Bengals right now, which sounds wild to say. But if you eliminate a weapon like Lamar Jackson, I mean, you immediately move them to the cellar. Uh, And there's no question about that in a crowded AFC North. But beyond that, yeah, with all the talented quarterbacks, for them to be devoid of one and for this situation just to play out how it has for such a fortified franchise, it's really odd to see we're talking to Jordan Cornette. All right, Jordan, you were there. You were at Creighton SDSU. You were uh, you were at the broadcast. Uh, what did you think of the call, and why was it perfect? Uh, well, it was perfect for Twitter, <laughs> right, because everybody was going to be divisive on this thing, and there is no right answer. I hate to be anticlimactic here. This is how I've laid it out. This is what I said immediately on the broadcast. I know Lee Cassell well. It's been an unfortunate year for Lee. He's been involved in some, some pretty notable situations this year, most uh, – most notable prior to this was the Duke-Virginia game, uh, the call on Philip, Kyle Filipowski that ended up preventing them from beating Virginia. College Hoops fans know what I'm talking about. But here's how Lee Cassell approaches the game as an official, and he's the one who made the call. He's a guy that's a stickler for the rules, and his approach was this, and it's one that you can't argue with if it's your school of thinking. If that is a foul in the first five minutes of the game, as Lee Cassell would have deemed it, it's a foul at the end of the game. The guide hand from Ryan Nemhart, without question, was on the, on the hip of Darion Trammell on the offering of the basketball. It was a floater. It altered his shot. By the letter of the rule, it's a foul. Lee would have called it in the first five minutes. He's going to call it then. So throw that part out. My issue, the only issue I would have with it is, it was an incredibly physical, grinded-out game. For the better part of that game, they had tucked their whistles throughout. I would have loved to see Lee say, the way we've called it, this is a tuck-it situation. I'm going to let him play through, let him decide it at the end, an extra basketball for five minutes, just because that's how the game had been called. But you can't have issue with Lee doing it the way he did. The only other thing I would throw out there is, would there have been this much of an up- upheaval and all this issue if they had called the foul, if they had not called the foul. And I don't think so. So that's another way to tilt it towards just a tough spot. But I would have wished he tucked it and we could have played five more minutes. It was such an anticlimactic way for a game to end. 
Yeah, that's how I feel too, Jordan. I, I feel like if that game would have went in overtime, in which it probably would have, and then the, the the winner was decided at that point, we never would have been talking about the foul that wasn't called because what you mentioned earlier, the game was physical the entire 39 yeah. minutes until those last seconds when he decided to call a foul. And that's the thing, Harry. That's the hang-up where I feel like nobody could say anything if it was, you know, there have been calls throughout or – wasn't an incredibly physical game. It's just a theme. I mean, as I'm talking, it's playing on ESPN right now, the review of it. I hate that this is what everybody's talking about. Uh, look, we have jobs to do. It's an actually a huge talking point. But the game should, the talk should have been about this game, guys, because, wow, it was such an intensely physical, amplified possession after possession game. And I hate that it couldn't be decided with a play, so to speak, at the end. I mean, even with the clock, they decided expired on the, the Hail Mary play. So there wasn't even a response from Creighton. Coach McDermott, normally very reserved, was livid after that officiating crew made their way off the court. The crowd was stunned. Uh, it was a spectacle, and it was a very odd situation uh, for a team to make history and make the Final Four for the first time. But, Jordan, that's that's how Fitz loved, like, loved games to end. He he glad that the, the Super Bowl <laughs> ended that way, like with a flag and stuff. He, he's, he's excited that, you know, Calls yesterday they called a foul. I'm like, dude, what the hell is going on you in your brain? You know how many times like, in my life I've had to been, I've been told this phrase? Well, you know, while it's not a great rule, the tuck rule was actually the correct call. Oh. All right? So, you know what? If I get to hear that all the damn time, y'all can deal with it, too. Y'all can deal with it too. You know, it's uh, all perspective. Let, let me, You're absolutely right. Let me ask you a big picture question, though, as we go into the Final Four, because there's so much conversation in college football about name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal. I'm looking at four schools that have been able to uh, keep some kids together. In some instances, Miami is a great example of using transfer portal NIL. Have we seen a path be carved out in this particular tournament that shows other schools a way to make yourself relevant year to year in new college basketball? Yeah, absolutely, Fitzy, and it was beyond just this tournament. I mean, this trend it showed face during the regular season. Uh, the way to recruit now is not traditionally be in the high school gym, be in the AAU circuit, and, and load up your team that way. That That's one way of doing it, but you better be equipped and skilled at the transfer portal, and you better have an assistant on your staff that is weeding through that thing and finding a great fit, whether it be your, your ultimate top-tier piece, your, your third piece, your big man, a bench guy, you have to win in that portal. You just have to. You have to be able to get an old guy. You have to be able to find a fit there because those are the teams that are able to really enhance themselves and put themselves in position to be dangerous. Coupled with that is the NIL side of this thing. I mean, Nigel Pack and Norchad O'Meara for Miami are two perfect pieces and prime examples of that. They went and got these guys through the portal. They enticed them with good NIL deals. They had boosters that were committed to doing it. And it's paid off, not just for Miami on the men's side, but Miami on the women's side as well, having gotten to a sweet 16 or excuse me, to an elite eight. So as you look at it, it's absolutely a big part of this thing. I always thought it was a ridiculous take for people who thought, oh, you know, it's just because the richer are going to get richer in the game. And all you're going to see is five to 10 teams like my good friend Charles Barkley said. And it's like, no, there's people with money everywhere. Passionate fans everywhere, representing all different alumni and programs and fan bases. And all it takes is one guy, one gal to say, hey, I'm committed to making this program better. And you see it that way. Now, I think a fascinating case study will be what happens with Dusty May at FAU. Does he stay? 
Uh, what kind of commitment do they get to their program moving forward now that they've had this success? That's what's most interesting to me. But as for the tournament field, it'll always look like this. It'll be chaos. Jordan, as always, appreciate you. And should point out, win-win for everybody. It's a win for the school. It's a win for the kids. It's a win for the fans. Everybody won in this instance. Just like to positive, point out some positivity around it. Jordan, uh, you were spectacular over the weekend, man. Really proud to call you a friend. Uh, did great work on it, as always. Hey, Fitzy, I appreciate it. And Harry, do me a favor, man. As, a, as an me. ACC alum, man, and I know that wasn't the conference you played at, but the school you represent, make sure you let everybody know ACC basketball deserves its respect. Too many people you. getting up there talking smack, man, and too many times in March the ACC just shows up, and they've done it again this year. No doubt. Ooh, throw it down, Jordan Cornette. Appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right, uh, you guys can weigh in. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. What'd you think of the call? 888-729-3776. You guys can chime in. Plus, Harry thinks it's time for one massive star to quit complaining and take some blame. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry. Were you nervous to toot? No, I completely trusted the toot. Completely trusted the toot. There would be no... <laughs> How do you know what I'm about to ask you? <laughs> because you're a man asking I, another man. I, I, no. <laughs> did you... Yeah, no, I did not. Okay, so, so you 100% knew that, you know, nothing else was going to come out. Right. And the only, there, there were two, there were three things I was sure of. One, that there would be no accident involved with the two. <laughs> two, the two was not going to be nasal friendly at all. And three, and this is probably pretty important to the discord, while I'm running that hard, there's no way I can keep it from being allowed to. So it's like, I mean, the music's pumping. It's, I just have the exclusive audio of what it would have sounded like if you, if you did. Okay, go ahead. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's Fitz and Harry. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, I got tears. Oh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We have a national radio show. I listen to that. Not always sure why. Uh, all right. We're asking you guys what you think of the call last night uh, and why it was perfect. And I just keep trying to bias it. But I will say, uh, not everybody agrees with me. I think a foul's a foul. Harry thinks that the referees should understand and call the game consistently throughout. So we see uh, we see this one differently. It's rare Well, than Harry we- and Jordan Cornette, who called the game. I mean, well... <sighs> Okay, so fine. Fine. Evan and I both agree uh, on my stance, and uh, you know we've got had plenty of uh, callers. Okay, uh, let's go to Robert in Virginia. Robert in Virginia, thanks for calling us. What do you got? What'd you think of the call? Well, you know it's funny. I've refereed for ten years, and I also played high school basketball. And when I saw the replay and saw where that guy's hand was, and he was pushing him with a short shot, I mean it was a great call, and, and there's no doubt in my mind. That was the foul, and a lot of times players get away with stuff like that, but that official was able to see that, and, and that affected the shot. Look at that, Robert. That's again, that, I think that's the third or fourth well, former well, official well, we've well, had calling. So thing. officials agree with me because officials know you got to call the foul when you see the foul. Cheat well, better. If you're well, going to – okay, go ahead. I, I would have offered to go see Robert because I'm in the DMV area, but hmm. since he's on your side, Robert, I'm not going to go see, come okay. see you. Okay, so that's what happens. He's, maybe next time. I'll be back in about two or three weeks, and maybe next time, Robert, 
I will come see you. Uh, by the way, you're in the DMV area because you can watch Harry tonight on XFL Monday Night Football. Uh, don't forget, you're going to be hanging out doing Monday Night Football, doing God's work. Trenton, Kentucky. Trent, that's what, uh, thanks for calling the show. What do you got? Hey, my friend. I appreciate y'all taking my call, Fitz and Harry, you alike. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty split down the middle here. I'm going to interject myself as a referee because apparently they have the, the hardest damn jobs in this nation. Um, it, it was obviously a foul, um, obviously a foul at the end of the game. My only part is the end of the game. I, it, I stayed up late for that game and I was disappointed through and through, uh, pretty, pretty upset, you know, the consistency about it. I understand, you know, they they let him play the ball game for the 39, 38 minutes, whatever it may have been. That's how it should have been called down to the wire. I do agree with that. Um, I would have been, you know, more more excited that I stayed up past my bedtime uh, to have the greatest. You know, thing. Now, and, and what time is your bedtime, Trent? Yeah, I came into it like three in the afternoon. <laughs> Trent, Trent, what time, time is your bedtime, Trent? Listen, man, I, I'm not old, but my bedtime's around about 9.30. Okay, okay. Uh, Trent, I, I, thanks for the call. Uh, <laughs> the game I, ended I think, at 3 o'clock. <laughs> the, the game ended at 3 o'clock. It was the Texas-Miami game that ended late. Uh, I mean, late. It, you know. All right, but, but still, you know, Trent mostly agreed with me, so we really liked the call. Uh, I, Trent on here telling lies. Uh, look, <laughs> where was Trent last night? I, I'm just going to peel back, by the way, the fourth wall here, too. Uh, we got a call. And it's from Steve in Bristol. And, like, we actually have a Steve that has worked with the show that, that is part of the, the, the community here, radio, that would live in Bristol. Steve in Bristol, is this Steve in Bristol? Is in like, we know you, Steve in Bristol, or is there another Steve in Bristol? No, nah, there's another Steve in Bristol. This oh, is Steve with a Z. Let's That's go. It. All right. Steve in Bristol that we don't know. What you got, man? Thanks for hanging out. You know, the call is a call. It was a blatant follow. But the other thing on top of that, you know, you're looking for that at the end of the game. You know that they're going to try to draw that follow, especially being as close as it is. That's part of the sport, too. So if you know it might be coming, you got to back off. I'm not saying give them a shot, but you know it's coming. Uh, that's a good point by Steve. See, Steve's making a good point because you know it was the how, smart how many, offensive play. Oh, how many God. of these people have a gym name after them? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did Evan just <laughs> did Evan just not screen the calls who agreed with Harry? Hey, I, and I? I'm listen, starting to think. Here. I, I, I think it's a conspiracy theory here, Evan. I, mean, I think Devin you screen. Just remember, in li- this is, kids, kids. This is a life lesson. It's easier to scream conspiracy theory than just admit you're getting your ass kicked on national radio because that's what happens. <laughs> We're just shimmying around here. Let's go. To Leonard in Arizona. Leonard, keep the train coming. What do you got on the call? What'd you think? It was an absolutely horrible call. Couldn't disagree with it more. If it was a foul at the last minute of the game, it needed to be a foul in the la- the first minute of the game. I I was listening to you guys earlier, and I heard you say that you know you want your refs to call a foul if it's a foul. That's true. I also don't want my refs to decide the game. That's exactly what they did. Ooh. Any good coach. Or any good team leader on the floor who sees that game being called tight by the refs, like, hey, man, they're calling all these fouls. Good coaches, good assistant coaches are going to game plan for that. And good leaders and team captains are going to let their guys know, hey, we got to watch these fouls, especially in a key moment. And unfortunately, the refs did what they're not supposed to, and they got to decide the game. Leonard, 
dropping no. knowledge no, what, what, what are we doing? Y'all on get, all you y'all snitches. Y'all get one. Y'all get one. dropping knowledge you get on one all call you snitches. You, like, act like you've been there before, boys. Act like you've been there before, which we can. Uh, Evan and I can because we've been there repeatedly on all these day. calls. Uh, uh, Evan, yeah, had a thought on the, this one? The point of, like, that they should have called it the same as they did throughout the game, Jordan Cornette brought up a great point. The official who called that foul did call it that way throughout the game. Just because a crew calls it differently throughout the game, that one official who called the foul was consistent. He was in the best position to see that call, and he made the call. Oh, Jordan said that that uh, official... Where's our, celebrate, where's our celebration music for that? Because that was a celebratory point. Thanks, Devin. Evan Thank just you. brought the heat. Evan just... MVP. You know what? MBE today. Most valuable Evan. We just got the best Evan right there. That's a not... And not just because he agreed with me. Uh, Fitz and Harry, uh, although it was really just because that... So it's, for, really, it's, it's really 2 on 2 today. Like, literally. It's 2 on 2. Well, no. I mean, y'all didn't really show up. So it's like 2 on none. We're just wiping the floor with you. Like you didn't show up when you were supposed to play with Devin and them that night? Okay, that's neither here nor there. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they can save you hundreds on your car insurance. We're going to keep weighing in on this. You guys can keep weighing in as well. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plus, why one of us on the show tonight is going to be super famous. You'll hear about it next. Fitz and Harry. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Countdown to Major League Baseball's opening day with Jeff Passan. After hitting an American League record 62 home runs, running away with the AL MVP award, signing a $360 million contract, and earning the New York Yankees captaincy, what can Aaron Judge do for an encore? Individually, not much, of course. He's coming off one of the finest seasons ever, with an 11-11 OPS, the highest in a full year since 2008. And while matching that may prove difficult, there's no indication Judge is slowing down. What's left, then, is what's eluded him since his 2016 debut and the Yankees organization since 2009, the franchise's 28th championship. The Yankees are good again, even with questions about their starting pitching depth cropping up in spring training. Are they good enough to avoid another early playoff exit, like the embarrassing sweep at the hand of Houston last October? Regardless of how his teammates do, one thing is certain for Aaron Judge. He's ready to do it again. Only three days till opening day. Got to give Jeff Passan a huge shout out for getting us ready for opening day. Every single day, you'll get a news nugget from him. Also, if you haven't seen it out there, Anthony Volpe, there's a great video of him making the opening day roster. And it's one of those suspenseful moments where 
you know, the the coaching staff is making it look like he didn't make the roster and it's all about competing. And then at the very last second, it's almost like when you're watching a reality TV show and you think you know who's about to be kicked off the island and all of a sudden there's a little twist at the end. All of a sudden the twist is that Volpe made the uh, made the roster for the Yankees on opening day. Really cool moment for him. Love that they, uh, love that they did that. Also kind of hate that they did that. Like, I can't imagine, I mean, Harry Douglas, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. Harry, I can't imagine the message ever being, you know, coming to you. You're trying to figure out whether you made the roster, whether you're getting cut, and they go through this whole thing of like, this is really tough to tell you because you work so hard and, you know, the roster's just so full and you have a lot of work left to do. And you go through all the negatives and at the end it's like, and we can't wait for you to do that and work right here in the major league level. Like, coach, just tell me if I made the damn team. Well, it's a series of emotions, but they, the coasters also know, and they, they love to reward guys when they do things the right way. Uh, they compete, and also they know that if it's a player that can help their ball club in this instance uh, when it comes to baseball. So uh, I, I can only imagine the nerves of that young man, but at the end of the day, he did what he had to do to make that roster. Yeah, 100%. Uh, by the way, uh, you you now are dashingly good-looking during during the short a commercial break that we had, you went in like Superman into a phone booth and you came out in a full suit. Why? Because tonight you're going to be really famous because you are on Monday Night Football. It's XFL Monday Night, but still, it's XFL Monday Night Football. My guy going to be on the sidelines. Uh, you will be right there in D.C. for this matchup. A great matchup between Houston and D.C., but also just a cool opportunity for you to be out there with the beer snake uh, on national TV. Yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. I love my crew, Tom, um, Lugan Bill, Stormy Bonatoni. She does a great job as well. Our play-by-play guy, John Schaefer, he's not going to be in tonight. We're, we're substitute with Taylor. So we're going to have some fun, and this is going to be the best game in the XFL this season. You have the best team in D.C., the D.C. defenders that are 5-0 and versus the Houston Roughnecks, who are 4-1. and uh, two, two different styles, though. Houston, they like to throw the football around, get the ball out of their hands quickly, rush the passer, they lead the league in sacks. And then you look at D.C. offensively, they're clearly a smash-mouth football team. We're going to run it down your throat. Let's see if your guys want this contact. Let's see if your guys want that smoke, basically, in so many words. Yeah, I mean, this, this is sort of contrasting. Styles makes fights, right? You know? Um, but you're right. The ability for the defenders to run the ball, particularly, is kind of an interesting dynamic here because uh, not many teams in the XFL have figured out how to do that well, uh, but they definitely have. So a lot of credit to them uh, on their team rushing right now. For anyone that hasn't seen it, they have almost double the yards anybody else has when it comes to running the football as a team, and their leading rusher has more yards than any other team in the XFL. So I'd say that they run the ball well. Uh, not that that's helped me figure out like every bet. That I placed, I got wrong, so I'm just sitting this one out. I realize well, but that the gods I've been are trying me. to tell you. I don't know why you don't ask coach. No, I'm asking. I don't know how many times we got to have this conversation. Okay, what, what, what is it? You got a leaning on this one? Well, coach? I, don't, I don't know yet. I don't know. Okay, yet. I well, see, this is decide. what happens. I, I, Game's look, not to 7 p.m. on uh, ESPN2, just for all y'all who needs to know again. Hey, 7 p.m. ESPN2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Check uh, doing, us out. doing God's work. You guys are chiming in. Tony in Syracuse uh, chiming in on the foul call. Tony, what you got? What you think? Hi guys. Yeah, you, you know what? I, I, the game was it was a really good game, but you know, at the end of the day, you gotta make that you gotta make that call. It wasn't so bad when he went, when they were both up in the air. Is that left hand that, that he was pushing on the guy, and that's always gonna throw your shot off. You know, we know that I played a lot of high school ball, and we were taught that. You know, we were taught when when the 
when a game is tight like that and the referee can't see much, when a guy goes up in the air, you give him a little nudge, it always throws your shot off. So you got to make that call. I hate it to end that way, but it's the right call to make. The ref saw it. It was a definitely push. It threw the guy's shot off, and that was it. Tony, Tony, hold on for a second. Can I ask you one call. question, Tony? It's a great call. Is Tony still with us? Uh, do we still yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Hey, who who is your team? Who is your college team? I, I'm, I'm Syracuse Orangeman. Okay, so if that happened to Syracuse and they got a foul called on them, would you still think it was the correct call? Not really, but... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony, see, I love the honesty of Tony right there. How about, how about, and, and here's, the, here's the thought for you and Devin. How about sitting here, like, questioning how do the refs make this call? How about why don't we just ask, play better defense? Don't foul them. Like, how about, how about we, instead of saying, why'd the game come down to a call? It didn't. The game came down to a player fouling another player. Maybe don't commit the foul. Maybe it's don't because, cheat. It's because Stop exactly cheating. what Tony just said. They, it, it throws your shot off. He's right. And they were not calling that all game long. So why wouldn't he do it? Because, it? because it's cheating. I mean, if you're cheating and you get <laughs> caught cheating, what you going to do about that? I was taught if you're not cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, well, you know. It's, Ask it's, the Patriots. You don't have to behave. You just have to not get caught. He got caught. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> on him. Ask the Patriots. Wow. I I, I didn't even know. Uh, that one missed me. The one thing we've learned today is that our callers are the smartest. We already knew they were the smartest, but we even got a, a more of an indication because I feel like the vast majority of them we're with me squarely on the a foul is a foul is a foul. That means they're scared to break the rules. Oh, my God. This is this is what we deal with every single day. Uh, Harry, uh, have a wonderful call tonight. Uh, kick ass, as we all know you will, on the XFL. Be sure to check him out, ESPN2, 7 p.m. for the XFL matchup. Excited to watch where you go and uh, and see if you get in on an end zone celebration. That's kind of what I want to have happen. I want to see Harry Douglas dancing in the end zone. I know one thing. Kenny and Carlin always dancing in the end zone. They'll keep you updated on the latest with the breaking Lamar News next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.